Welcome to Think Again, a podcast by Macquarie Asset Management, providing financial advisors with a fresh perspective and innovative insights designed to keep you and your clients a step ahead. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Denise St. Ivany. Today, I'm joined by Daniela Madaravich, co-head of U.S. multi-sector fixed income at Macquarie Asset Management. Daniela, happy to have you back on the show. Lovely to be here again with you, Denise. Well, so much has changed in bond markets since you were here with us last year on Think Again. In your team's uh, investment outlook for this coming year, one point that really comes across clearly is how bond market conditions have in some ways normalized, in large part due to higher interest rates. If you would, let's start off talking about what the presence of yield means for investors in terms of long-range opportunity. Denise, you are absolutely right. Despite the fact that 2022 was a difficult year for investors, the silver lining in that awful cloud is the fact that yields are so much more compelling today than they have been in over 10, 15 years. Uh, In other words, bonds are bonds again. All the features that had been so compelling to investors when you think back to the 90s and 2000s when rising tide lifts all boats, it also lifted the the yield you may earn in a bank account. So it's understandable for investors to say, you know what, this was a really awful experience. I'd rather wait a while. However, you know, if, if that perspective had no cost, that might be okay. Unfortunately, being very conservative or going into a flight or freeze uh, state of mind, which is understandable after a difficult period of time, can prevent investors from really gaining exposure to this extraordinary opportunity that was created uh, this year. I've you know, I've mentioned in the past, a lot of folks are very familiar with the recency of 2008, right? What what 2008 was for credit and equity markets, 2022 was for interest rates, was for high quality interest rates. And the same way that several years after 2008, investors were happy to have participated in the opportunity created this year creates much better, more attractive opportunities for investors to lock in now uh, to to deliver higher returns over the long run. Here's, you know, just two more points, if I may. Uh, the, The cash discussion is always very interesting because folks think about interest rate risk as being something where if you buy longer term bonds, they have interest rate risk. Because between now and when they mature, their prices might go up and down, right? That's how people sort of think about about interest rate risk. And they say, well, but if I put my money in cash, I know that 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 investment is, you know, 4% now. I would challenge us to look a little bit differently. Investors actually have a long-term investment horizon. So put yourself five years from now, right? You're five years from now, you're looking back. You, if you invested in a diversified broad fixed income portfolio with a yield of about five to six percent, which is what, what general diversified investment solutions offer now, the nature of bonds, the, the fact that they have the income and the contractual return of principal and all that good jazz will have meant that your return would be awfully close to that starting yield. That's the relationship in, in a single bond between uh, the yield and what the return is at maturity. On the other hand, putting yourself five years forward, if you invested in cash, 
What will be your return? You don't know. You, you know what it will be day one, but the next day it can change. If the Fed needs to return to a zero yield environment, guess what your return is on that investment? It's zero. So that is the perspective that's important to take away as to why broader fixed income is such a compelling opportunity. And then as a, as a last point here, because you, you know this topic is so near and dear to my heart, you know, fixed income timing or investment timing is always tricky in general. And, you know, folks are thinking the feds are just telling us we're not done. We're not done. Why shouldn't we take them at the word and wait some more? And the answer there is tricky in that um, when when f- we're all very familiar with hurricanes, and I certainly lived in Miami, so I can tell you stories. Um, when you know a hurricane is coming, you don't wait for landfall to get on the highway because you get stuck on the highway, possibly in the way of the hurricane. That's the worst possible thing you can do. Investing is a lot that way too. And in fact, we did some more research and determined quite specifically that the market is forward-looking, right? So the long-term interest rates, they tend to stabilize about two hikes before the end of the cycle. So early, not when you have the last hike landfall. Yeah, I could visualize just the stacked up cars on the highway and that doesn't feel good. And I don't think it would feel good to be too late on this kind of a reallocation as well. Well, let's um, think about bonds another way too. There's the idea that income, income from bonds can be a bit of a safety net. Bond allocation can play a stabilizing role in a portfolio. So you have a compelling take on the power of yield, how it impacts long-term performance. Talk about how its role is in a long, in an overall mixed portfolio, if you will. Indeed, what what our research finds, and you know, the like I said, the mathematical relationship of, of income and known maturity means is that starting yield is an excellent predictor of returns five years or so forward for most broad fixed income funds, just like that works for an individual uh, bond. Most people are very familiar and comfortable with that. You have a five-year bond, you hold it to maturity. What do you get? You get about the yield. That's how it works. Mutual funds, in fact, work substantially the same way. So that's very important to keep in mind. In fact, we just uh, released a new insights piece called, quite tellingly, the 100-year storm. Uh, Every cloud has a silver lining, and the silver lining, of course, is yield, where we have gone and done the analysis and the research demonstrating that very, very strong relationship between uh, starting yield and return five years forward. One last example on this point. You know, many folks have thought about the Volcker era, and it was a god-awful era and was worse than now, right? The only time than the Fed, when the Fed was more aggressive than today was then. But here's a fascinating point. So this year, from March until now, the Fed has hiked rates by four and a quarter percent, okay? During that time, broad fixed income indices have returned about negative point, uh, negative eight percent. Pretty, pretty awful, pretty stressful. Here's an interesting fact. During the Volcker era, in the period of the most aggressive Fed hikes of about five months that resulted in 
hikes of 10.5%, more than two times of what we experience now, the end return was only negative 3.5%, much better than what we experienced. You know what the difference was? It was the starting yield, Denise. The starting uh-huh. yield back then was, was about 10%, and the starting yield this year was less than 2 So this relationship is what makes the future so much more compelling um, as we look at 2023. So you're saying the starting yield, which was at the time, what the yield was at the time the rate hikes began, that's the determination of the outcome of the overall pricing of portfolios. That's right. It can really absorb the severity of the hikes or any kind of moves in interest rates. Well, I'm glad you brought up that paper. We've got a link to that on our show notes. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more at this point about the macro environment that may be ahead for us. Well, 2023 certainly will be yet another year of great tugs of war. Uh, Most of the time will be between the market and the Fed. The market will say we're very, very much done with this hiking cycle. Thank you very much. We'd like some easing now. And in fact, the market is trying hard to price in uh, some, some, some rate cuts by year end. And we think that's, that's premature. Um, On the other side, From the Fed's point of view, they know full well that in order to tame inflation, they have to stick with credibility. They cannot end the cycle too early. And, you know, in the same way that every market environment we go through has a bugaboo example from the past, like 2008, the bugaboo example was the Great Depression and and policymakers, all they thought about is like, please, oh God almighty, we don't want to create the Great Depression this time around. So the actions were informed by that. This time around for the for the Fed, the bugaboo happens to be the Volcker era. And you might think, wait a second, Volcker did an awesome job, right? Well, sort of, in the same way that, that Powell will tell you that he doesn't necessarily want to copy that time, is that Volcker made a big mistake during this. Even though the end result was taming inflation, it came at very, very high costs. What happened at the time was the Fed was very timid at raising rates at the very beginning in the in, in the late 70s. Then at the first signs of, of a slowdown in the economy, they stopped, they pivoted, that might be a familiar term, and then they started cutting interest rates far too early. And guess what happened? Inflation never uh, disappeared. So inflation restarted to rear its ugly head again. So as a result, what Volcker had to do after the fact was to actually put in place the most aggressive Fed hiking cycle in recent history and brought the economy down to its knees at the to, to the worst recession we experienced since the Great Depression when unemployment was 10.5%. And that is actually precisely what the Fed wants to avoid today. And the reason the Fed will not be in a rush to step away from the 5% yields that are they are hoping to, to target next year too quickly. And that tug of war will create a lot of trouble in the markets in that trouble, trouble meaning volatility, but trouble also meaning a lot of value dislocation concern, a lot of moments where fear, well, hopes and dreams. Right now in 2023, in uh, in January, we're in the hopes and dreams phase where we think everybody, everything will be perfect. The long shot uh, soft landing will be will be realized. 
In practice, of course, we will have a number of different waves next year, just like we saw in 2022 of volatility, because a recession will ultimately be necessary to tame inflationary pressures, particularly the ones that we're seeing in the labor markets. And as we know very well, despite the fact that the overall health of corporations and even sovereigns and, you know, the the credit behavior in the market being a lot healthier than we've seen in the past, a recession in no way bodes particularly well for risk assets. And that's when we think um, more opportunity for investors will be created. Well, I'm rooting for the Fed. I hope they get it right. (laughs) So uh, let's sum up what we've said here today for both investors and the advisors. Um, We've talked about yield being available across the bond markets and what that means for both income and total return opportunity. There's still volatility ongoing, however, as you mentioned, and Fed policy is continuing to evolve. So what is the bottom line for fixed income investors? The first and most important thing is bonds are bonds again. The same rationale from a strategic standpoint, forget everything else, forget timing, details, recession, not. The most important takeaway is how compelling bonds have become once again um, in in the same way that that they had been in the past. And remember, a diversified fixed income portfolio tends to have about a quarter of the volatility historically, when measured historically, relative to, uh, say, the S&P 500. So when you are thinking about a yield of nearly 6% for a diversified investment in bonds, that compares as a very, very uh, compelling option to a much riskier investment that might exist elsewhere or to a much less liquid investment like perhaps private assets might be. So bonds have the features of liquidity and now income. Um, the second, the second point to mention for next year is don't fear a Fed hawkishness. Um, you know, Fed credibility uh, really equals stability in the long interest rates. It is good for us, to, for the Fed to have um, a backbone and stick with its plan to tame inflation. Bond investors benefit from the uncertainty of what might happen in the future in a higher inflation environment. Uh, that would have to be baked into yield. So we really do expect that long-term interest rates will likely stabilize here, at least, if not even more, offer that counterbalance in a recessionary environment that we're used to. But perhaps sort of in thinking about next year specifically, perhaps the most important takeaway to my, my point earlier about volatility, Denise, is Markets are faster than they've ever been before. They absorb new information much faster than they have ever before. And so agility, willingness to stand against the tide when markets get too exuberant and vice versa, uh, find opportunity when markets get too fearful, those will be the key elements in what we expect to be a very volatile environment from, uh, from the credit components of the market. I love those two uh, wrap-ups, if you will. Bonds are bonds again, and agility is important. 
Well said. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'd like to just remind our audience that you can read more from Daniela and all the insights from our investment teams in Outlook 2023, Actionable Ideas for a Volatile World. And that link is in our show notes. And then our next episode, we'll be joined by Greg Gizzi, who's the head of our U.S. Fixed Income and head of municipal bonds here at Macquarie Asset Management, and we're going to discuss municipal bonds. So meanwhile, you can visit DelawareFunds.com slash Outlooks to learn more. Thanks so much, Daniela. Thank you, Denise. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information on topics from this episode. And be sure to subscribe to Think Again wherever you get your podcasts. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only, and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized, or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation, and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed, without independent verification, on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Macquarie Asset Management is a full-service asset manager, offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. The public investment business is a part of Macquarie Asset Management and includes investment products and advisory services distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors, LP, a registered broker slash dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of MIMBT. Macquarie Group refers to Macquarie Group Limited and its subsidiaries and affiliates worldwide. Delaware Funds by Macquarie refers to certain investment solutions that Macquarie Asset Management Public Investment distributes, offers, refers, or advises. Other than the Macquarie Bank Limited, any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959. The obligation of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of the Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.